There's a story of a gentleman that was traveling through the mountains one time, and he came across a beautiful scenic overlook. And so he pulled over, and it was just so beautiful. He got up and he was looking at it, and as he, he got closer and closer, you could see forever because it was so high up, and he was just right at the edge of a cliff, and he looked and he was looking down, and all of a sudden he lost his balance, and he started to fall. And he was able to grab hold of a limb as he fell, and he was hanging there, thousands of feet to go below, and he didn't know how long this limb that was sticking out of the rock was going to hold him. He didn't know how long his fingers could hold on as well. And so he began to cry out for help. Help, help, is anybody out there? Help. Not even a cricket chirping. Not a sound. Not even a, the sound of a car going by up there. So he yelled more, help, help, anybody there, help. He continued to yell. And finally, desperation, having nowhere else to turn, he said, God, are you there? And this voice out of nowhere says, yes, son, I'm here. He said, well, God, will you help me? And the voice said, yes, son, let go of the limb. Anybody else out there? It's a silly story, but there's so much truth in that story. Because so many of the things that God tells us to do and requires us to do are so hard to do. Faith is a hard thing sometimes. We'd much rather rely on our own strength and our own ability. And uh, yet there are those things that we'll never be able to accomplish in our own right, in our own way, and that we'll only accomplish through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And today in our scripture reading, we heard one of those things mentioned I love what it says in uh, Revelation, the first chapter, in the fifth verse, uh, in the last part of the verse, it says, to him who loves us, remember, Jesus loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. We have been released from our sins by his blood. That is a formidable statement whenever you stop and think about it. We have been released. We have been set free. We are no longer burdened by our sin because Jesus paid the price for it at Calvary, died there, and was resurrected from the dead by God through the power of the Holy Spirit and now he reigns forever, and in being raised from the dead, everything that he said he was going to do and everything about him has been confirmed. 
And so we know that he is our savior. And as he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father, but by me. And those words were confirmed when Jesus was raised from the dead. And specifically, we're to have faith in his blood. And we celebrate this. We, we sing about it. Uh, this is what we believe, right? This is what we believe. Look on page 29 in your hymnal. We are going to affirm this a little bit later today in communion. On page 29, you'll see some bold, write, a bold writing down in the middle of the, start in the middle of the page. And then whenever you, uh, look down about seven lines, and, uh, I'm going to read a line or two before, a most only beseeching to thee to grant that by the merits and death of thy son, Jesus Christ, and read that next line together with me. And through faith in his blood. Have you ever noticed that being right in the middle of our uh, communion liturgy before? By faith in his blood, we and thy whole church may obtain forgiveness of our sins and all other benefits of his passion. This is what we believe. We believe that his blood is sufficient, a full and sufficient sacrifice to cover our sins. We sing about it all the time on uh, page 362 or hymn number 362 in your hymnal. What can wash away my sin? And what's the response? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Number 622. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. You see, we sing about it. We talk about it. But is it what we live out of? Do we live believing that? That's what I want to talk to you about today. And I want to ask you a question to kind of pinpoint, are you really living out of what we say we believe today? Suppose that you were to die today and stand before God and he called you by name and said, Johnny, Billy, Susie, whatever your name is, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? What would you say? Why should I let you into my heaven? Well, you know what? I have uh, posed that question to people individually from time to time. And uh, it's amazing the answers I get. It's amazing. One of the most common ones is, well, I ain't never killed nobody. <laughs> like that's a major accomplishment that you haven't killed anybody, you know? And I must admit, it is a major accomplishment. Sometimes I, anyway, I won't go any further than that. But uh, 
Uh, you know, uh, well, he, Billy Graham's uh, wife was asked one time, had she ever thought of leave, divorcing him? Said, divorce? No. Killing him? Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's I can see why that's on the list. But also they say things like, well, you know, I know I'm not good enough, but I just hope you'll let me in. And then some will say, well, you know, I've tried to be good. Or I've tried to live by the Ten Commandments. Or uh, I, I, I worked real hard in the church. Um, uh, you, can, you can just go through the litany of all the different things. And you know what? Every one of those answers would be wrong. That's not why he should let you into his kingdom. Not because of any good thing that you have done. Because you see, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. It says in scripture, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And there's no way, it just takes one sin to make, to mess up a perfect life. One sin. Like if I have, if I'm wearing a white shirt and, uh, I, uh, accidentally uh, spill my ink pen on it, and I get just one spot of ink right here on my shirt. Is that shirt ever going to be something I should wear in public again? Really? You know, it's messed up. It's no longer a perfectly white shirt. It's got a big black spot on it. And just stop and think, how many of you have ever told an untruth? Let's see your hands. Being honest, that's, that, that means a lie, you know, that means, okay, so we're all liars, okay, all right, how many of you have ever taken something that wasn't yours, maybe it was a pen from work, maybe it was a little paper, or uh, maybe it was a pencil from church, you know, who, who knows what it was, how many of you ever done something like that, let's see your hand, okay, so we're all thieves. Okay. So we got that down. Now then. So uh, now let's see. There's there's a couple more. Let's see. Oh, how many of you have ever put something ahead of God? When you knew what God wanted you to do, but you decided that you'd rather do something else. You knew it was wrong, but you went ahead and did it anyway. Let's see your hands again. Okay, so I'm not even going to go through the adultery thing. Okay, so uh, uh, but the thing is, so far we've confirmed that everybody here, all of us here today are lying, thieving idolaters. Welcome to San Philip United Methodist Church. Okay, but see, that's just it. We are. Every one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And there's nothing we can do to undo any sin that we have ever committed. We can't go back and redo history. Uh, sometimes with kids, I'll illustrate this by handing them a tube of toothpaste and talk to them about words. About like, uh, how, uh, like, uh, uh, say that you say, uh, something mean to somebody and I'll squeeze a little toothpaste in their hand. 
and then uh, say that uh, you uh, tell a lie and you pull a toothpaste in the hand, then something else. So they've got a handful of toothpaste here, and uh, then I say, okay, now then, I want you to put that toothpaste back in the tube. We don't want to waste it. And the thing is, you can't put it back in there, can you? No. Any word that we've ever spoken, it can never be taken back. Any pain we've ever inflicted on anyone, we cannot remove. We can say, I'm sorry, we can make amends, but it doesn't take away the hurt that we've inflicted on somebody else. We can't undo a thing. And so it's out there. But this is just it. This is what Jesus went to the cross for. Every one of those things that we could not undo and that made us stand guilty before God, he paid the price for it. While we were unlovable and unlovely, he died on the cross for us. He looked down through history to you and to me when he was hanging on that cross. There was a place on that cross for you. So uh, anyway, what I'm saying is that any of those things about where you say, I have done this, I've tried to do that, I, 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 you see where you're putting your faith? You're putting your faith in you if you're using I statements to talk about why God should let you into heaven. Now I'm going to give you the answer. And the answer is uh, that uh, the only reason why you should let me in is because you died on the cross for me. And you paid the price that I should have paid for my sin. That's the answer. And we know that's the answer, don't we? But how many of us live out of that answer? Because you see, even saying those words does not save us. We have to believe those words. This is where faith comes, by faith in his blood. So are you believing that that is so? That's what I'm getting at this morning. Have you personally appropriated that? We have been released from our sin. And uh, it says in scripture that, uh, that uh, well, in fact, 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah, in, in the 53rd chapter, said that, uh, that he was bruised for us and that uh, the chastening for our peace with him fell on us. And it says that the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. It's like all of us, many of us, even though we've asked Jesus into our hearts even, walk around burdened by sin from our past. It haunts us. The woulda, coulda, shouldas just keep us down. They burden us. And oh, we would love to be free, but it hurts. And we are just, come. but we don't, it's because we haven't received the fact that the Lord has taken this burden that keeps us from fellowship with him, that keeps us 
from being able to make contact with him that keeps us from being able to live with him day by day, that bars his Holy Spirit from truly being at work in our lives, it keeps us. It's a barrier between us and him. And he has taken that burden and he has transferred it to his son, Jesus, so that we are free. We have been released from that burden of sin. And you don't have to bear it anymore. Do you see? You don't live under that condemnation anymore. It's been taken care of no matter how bad you think it might be. The guilt is now gone because Jesus paid the price. He loved you that much. So, How do you get from knowing this here to where it is really here? How do you do that? By faith. By faith. And, uh, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I love to sail. I haven't been able to sail in years and years. But one time Sherry and I were out with friends in a little sailboat, uh, out in the, the, uh, uh, out, out from Galveston and the, uh, the boat capsized and we were under the boat and I was going to be smart and I was going to swim at an angle up away from the boat because I didn't want to get tangled in the lines. I didn't want to come up under the sail and not be able to get, get free. And so I swam and I swam and I swam Swam's the right word, isn't it? Sometimes I, okay. I kept on swimming and swimming and uh, I just kept on and kept on. And then, and it's like I I was running out of, I was just running out of air. I was running out of strength. And all of a sudden I realized my ears were starting to feel, feel pressure. And it dawned on me as my oxygen was gone I was swimming down instead of up. I'd lost my direction and I was swimming for the bottom of the ocean as hard as I could. And I had no strength left. And I I didn't have enough strength and enough air left to swim quickly to the surface. And uh, my lungs were just screaming, take something in. Just suck in water, anything. And I knew that if I took one breath of water, I was going to go into a cough reflex. I was going to wind up filling my lungs with water. And then all of a sudden I remembered there was a principle that I could apply in that situation. It's the principle of buoyancy. As long as I had air in my lungs and didn't struggle, if I could just hang on to the air in my lungs, the law of buoyancy would raise me to the surface. And so I just quit struggling and I just held my breath and let the air in my lungs 
And the buoyancy, the principle of buoyancy, take me to the surface. And guess what? I lived. You know, I made it. I'm so glad I did. Uh, but uh, anyway, the whole thing is there are principles. There are scriptural principles at work just as there are physical principles at work. And we read last week uh, that in, in uh, the book of, uh, of Romans, it's well, there's, there's this law that uh, talks about just as one as as one died, so that all, all, all the rest of us might live. Well, the way it says it, it's not. In, I can't remember. It's it's not in Romans actually. Well, yeah, Romans five nineteen is where it says, "For as by one man talking about Adam, remember Adam was sinless; he had never sinned." By one man, Adam, uh, by one man, sin entered into this world, and through him, death came about. By one man, Jesus, who is sinless, sin is taken out of the world. Do you see the principle there? We cannot remove, because we're not sinless. Jesus was sinless. He's the only one that could pay the price for us and that could undo what Adam did. And so Jesus, sinless, not deserving anything that he did, took upon himself our sin. By one man, sin entered into the world. By one man and the price that he paid Sin is taken out of the world. That's what we celebrate this morning as we remember, as Jesus told us to, in Holy Communion. And it's the one thing of obedience that we're supposed to do. You know, our uh, 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 sacrament of communion has its counterpart in the, uh, the Passover meal. If you remember, at the Passover, a lamb was taken and, and slain. The blood was they took the blood and they put it over, over they, they, they painted the little up above the doorpost with it and then they painted the sides and so you wound up with a big spot of blood up here a spot of blood here and a spot of blood here just about the same places that Jesus' blood would be when he was hanging on that cross with a crown of thorns upon his head. One where each hand was, one where his head was. It was a type of what was to come. Remember that uh, the angel of death, or the, the Lord passed over those homes whose uh, houses had the blood on the doorpost. And that was a type. It was a symbol of what was to come. It was a promise of what was to come in Jesus Christ, the full and perfect sacrifice for the whole world. Billy Graham says this about that. The blood of the lamb applied over the doorpost on the night of Israel's deliverance from Egypt distinguished the obedient from the disobedient. Just so today, the applied blood of the lamb of God is the distinguishing mark 
of God's called out ones, the church. Having faith in his blood is an act of obedience by deciding and accepting that nothing else, no other way will work. It's an act of obedience to God. And to decide that there are other ways is to be disobedient to God. To decide that I can get in on my own merits is to be disobedient to God. To receive what he offers freely. To receive that and to rejoice in it and to personally apply it to our own personal lives. That is obedience to God. It's the one point that we must obey. And it's the one point that so many today want to just turn away from. They want to say we don't need a cross anymore. They want to say we don't need slaughterhouse religion anymore. And yet, you see, it's the enemy trying to tell us, be disobedient. There are other ways. But we know and we affirm that it is by faith in his blood that we receive forgiveness and release from our sins. So, tell me this. Are you living out of it? Have you put your whole trust in that and in that alone? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.